Hey, welcome to Worship here at Trinity Online. It's a joy to be spending time with you this holiday season. And specifically, since we're in the fourth week of our Advent Conspiracy series, we've been learning how to worship more fully, how to spend less on ourselves this season, how to give to others who are in need, and how to love all in the name of Jesus. Now, sort of a central theme for us this week is the love of God, since we're talking about loving all, the love of God expressing itself in action, and that that action is generous action. So that's sort of our focus for today, the love of God expressing itself in action, and that that action is generous. Now, the Apostle Paul had just come from a visit from the Macedonian churches that he had had a hand in planting, and these guys had gathered together an offering, not by the prompting of any human, you know, any leader or anyone like that coming to them and saying, you guys should gather an offering for Paul. Instead, they felt the prompting of the Holy Spirit. They gathered an offering for Paul and gave it to him so that it would fuel his work sharing the good news of Jesus with the known world. And so Paul is taking that experience to his church in Corinth as an example of what the love of God is expressed in action by being generous. And so he writes these words in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, starting in verse 7. Paul says, For since you excel in everything, faith and speech and knowledge and complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. I'm not commanding you, but I want you to test, or I want to test, the sincerity of your love or the realness of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. He says, I want to test the sincerity of your love, the realness of your love, by comparing it with the earnestness of others. Who are the others? The Macedonians who had prepared the offering with only the prompting of the Holy Spirit, right? Paul goes on and says this. He says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become what? Rich. Now that richness, that wealth, is a spiritual wealth. It comes from the heart of God in his love, expressing itself in action that is generous. He wants the church to learn that back in that day and also today as well. So the message is for you and me. Now, about a year ago, one of our church members, uh, his name is Tony, and I've pictured him here with his beautiful family. By the way, they just moved to Texas a few weeks ago, so we miss them. And if they're watching online, hey guys, love you and miss you. Tony decided about a year ago to take some materials and supplies down to Tent City in Chicago. Now, yes, this is the same Tent City that Adam Gianforte from Collective Chicago spent six months living in. It's the same group of people. Tony decided a year ago that he was going to go and take some materials and supplies, and we asked him if we could go with him. And we saw him do some extraordinary things there under the viaducts. We saw Tony not only bringing materials and supplies, but also taking the time to get on his phone and find more resources that he didn't think to give. As he stopped by each of the tents, sharing what he had brought to give, he asked people how they were doing. He listened to their condition and to their story. He prayed with them on the spot in a 20 or 30 second prayer. And he spent time in the community sharing a bit of himself with folks as they shared of themselves back to him, back and forth, in community under the viaduct. Now, Tony didn't do this work because someone prompted him or inspired him. 
maybe except for the Holy Spirit. Tony was like the Macedonian churches. Without a prompt from anyone other than God, he gathered these resources and went to work. He took us with him so we could see this happen firsthand and so that it would be an example for us. And in that moment, we were able to share in the richness of God that he expressed in action by giving generously to the people living there in Tent City. It reminded us of the scripture that Jesus shared with the church as he was just getting ready to depart the earth. He's talking about the idea of the final judgment, the last days, and the sheep and the goats, and all those good things that will happen in the end times. And he's talking about how the church is to interact with people around who are in need. He says this in Matthew 25, For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. You know, when we were under the viaducts, we were thinking about verses like this. And I think somebody even pulled their phone and maybe did a little devotion before we went in along these lines. But something we were tempted with right there under the viaducts as soon as we stepped in was this idea of focusing on the hunger and on the thirst and on the being in prison, which Tent City was kind of a prison in and of itself, needing clothes, perhaps being sick. We were focusing on the what of what was going on, maybe instead of the who. Now, here's what I mean by that. For a moment there, we were tempted to think that we had something to give of value and that that was a one-way transaction. That was a one-way street of generosity where I'm in this position with material resources and I'm going to give it and then it's going to be done. But then we checked ourselves and said, you know, this has got to be more than that. So maybe there's something to be gained from our experience, like it's two-way. You know, a two-way street would be where we would give someone something and we would look for something back, like more character or like a gold star on our spiritual scorecard, something like that. And, you know, it really could be that we were just checking ourselves by the prompting of the Spirit to discover a little bit more of the heart of God and His true character as it expresses itself in action and then is generous. You know, Collective Chicago majors in this idea of mutuality. If you go to their website, you'll see it, this very picture right on the website. It's all about mutuality. They believe that there's something more to giving to people in need than simply transacting the movement of resources from one person to another, or even seeing something like more character come back to my life when I give. That mutuality is expressed in the lives of the people who have graduated Collective Chicago. Here's one of them. His name is Chris. He says this about the collective. He says, I wouldn't say the collective is temporary housing. I'd say it's people that are taking you in as their own, like family. Even though you might not have been in there for very long, you feel like you're a part of something. You feel like you're family. So the idea is more than just a one-way giving of stuff around Christmas. It's more than just a two-way giving and receiving around Christmas. The world would have us believe that giving stops short right there. But in terms of streets, one way and two way, it may be that the kingdom of God operates more like a roundabout. If you've been in a roundabout before, you know that it's a bunch of one way streets, but they all circle around this center. And for us, that center is Jesus. We circle around Jesus in life 
as he draws us in, as he draws us into him, we circle around him and then we come back out of the circle again and interact with the world. Giving has never been about you and me. Giving has never been about a one-way transactional or a two-way give-and-take arrangement. Giving has never been about just you and just me. In fact, think about it this way. If we re-emphasize different parts of the scripture from Jesus' teaching in Matthew 25, and look at the eyes and the use. The eyes are Jesus. I was hungry. I was thirsty. I was a stranger. I needed clothes and so on. The you is not you by yourself individually. The you is all y'all. It's the church. It's the collective of the church gathering together to meet needs and to be part of a relationship with God through Jesus that's very unique and powerful as we enter and circle around him and then come back out again. The giving is never about you and it's never about me. It's about all of us, those of us in the church and those of us outside of the church. Christ has poured out his love in his very body and blood on the whole world. And this particular time of year is an amazing time, along with all the rest of the months of the year, to be a part of demonstrating that. Now look at this, the message of Advent and Christmas and the coming of Jesus as a poorly baby lying in a manger is not about you. It's not about me. It includes you and me. It includes us. My friend, no matter what you think about the Christmas holidays, whether you're decked from head to toe in green and red and can't wait to buy all those presents and give them and eat that sponge cake around the table after you've had your meal, something on that order, or if you can't stand the holiday, no matter where you are, know that the love of God is poured out on you to be poured out through you. It was never about you, and it's never about me. It's about us, all of us, and we're included in it. And that includes you, and that includes me. Look at what the scripture says in John chapter 1. It says, The Word became flesh, and we know that's Jesus, and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Jesus has only grace and truth and the love of God in him. He's full of them. The scripture goes on in 16 and says, Out of his fullness, out of that abundance, We have all received grace in place of grace already given. Now, this grace in place of grace already given is expressed in another translation that says grace upon grace or another translation yet that says gift after gift after gift. The idea is that the grace of God, the love of God expressed in action and being generous in the world is a gift that not only keeps on giving, it is a gift that is given by God over and over again, to us and in and through us, to the world around us, those who follow Jesus and those who don't. This comes from the fullness of God, not from our own resources, not from our luck, not from our ability to earn a great income and amass things in this world. It comes from the fullness, the abundance of God and his kingdom. And as we begin to see things that way, circling around Jesus, entering around Jesus, and then coming back out again to be a part of God's generosity in the world, it will change every aspect of every day of our lives.
You know, I want to share with you a story from when I was a kid. In the late 70s, when Star Wars came out, it was all about the Millennium Falcon. Now, if you know anything about the Millennium Falcon at all, you know two things about it. One, it's fast, and two, it's ugly. The Millennium Falcon is made fun of by characters who love it in the movie, calling it space junk and garbage, like it's something that needs to be blasted out of the sky. But when the Millennium Falcon is under fire and it's full of people who are in need of rescue, the Millennium Falcon performs. It's so fast, in fact, that it made the Kessel Run in less than 12 parsecs. You know, the Millennium Falcon made so much sense to me at the time because there was this rebellious nature of the Millennium Falcon that I thought was kind of cool. But besides that, the Millennium Falcon was underrated. It looked like space junk and it was made fun of and us underestimated. But when push came to shove, the Millennium Falcon was the fastest ship in the sky. You know, I loved it so much that my mom actually bought me this Millennium Falcon replica from Kenner from 1979. And I have it here because my mom decided to save it since 1979 and actually give it to me again this past year as a gift. Now, what I like about this Millennium Falcon, even though it goes for about 200 bucks now on eBay as a vintage toy and item and a reminder of Star Wars from back in the day, there's no way I'm going to sell my Millennium Falcon because it means something to me in two ways. One, it means something to me from my childhood. It was a ship that was underestimated but always performed under fire. And secondly, it means something to me because my mom gave it to me again, a second time. And the second time, it meant all that stuff from before, but it also meant something new, that there was a legacy to it and it had worth and value almost like the law of Moses setting us up to receive one day the Messiah coming as a suffering servant. And then one day the Messiah comes as a suffering servant. It's grace upon grace. It's a gift that is given again as a gift and is given again as a gift. It's the same gift given again and again, kind of like Jesus. Yeah, corny, I know, but true, isn't it? Some things just point to Jesus in a very supernatural way, even the Millennium Falcon. Now, my mom gave me this a second time because she had kept it in her house, along with papers that I had uh, that were from second grade and projects that I had done when I was in kindergarten and things that I had saved, stuff from the yard even, from when I was in middle school. And she started giving me some of that stuff back. When she gave me back the Millennium Falcon, she gave it back to me out of the abundance of stuff that was accumulated in her house from my childhood. Something that was of worth and meaning to me then and was of worth and meaning to her. And then, as she's discovering, some of those things are of worth and meaning to me now. The Millennium Falcon is one of them. Now look at this scripture again from 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Scripture says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, that he has all this abundance, yet for your sake he became poor. And when you think about it, and you look at the nativity scene, and you see Jesus there in a lowly manger, as poor as dirt, in a manger surrounded by shepherds, you can kind of get the meaning of this verse. 
He became poor so that we would have the richness of God exposed to us, the spiritual richness of God, his great love expressing itself in action, and that action being generous. And you can see people just like us today circling around Jesus. Back in that day, you can almost imagine as the shepherds gathered and being, you know, as poor as they were, gathering around this poor little baby king born and laid in a manger, that they were joined by the ultra-rich, wealthy, wise men who had come to give gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And you can see the rich and the poor gathered around, circled around this Jesus. And, and then the next moment, you see them deployed. You see them going back to where they came from. Now, the shepherds are going to the towns and talking about Jesus and how the Messiah has come. And the wise men are going back to where they came from and taking with them the secret of the scene that they had seen in their mind, in their heart, and then perhaps sharing the good news of Jesus in their own way when they returned. You see people drawn to him and circling around him, the wealthy and the poor. And the fact that the resources the rich have that are shared with the poor really doesn't make all that big of a difference because Jesus comes from a place of utter and complete abundance and fullness. But what happened was you found the rich and the poor around Jesus, didn't you? And in that moment, you see what's really happening in the kingdom of God. When it comes to loving all, that love comes from a place that we cannot comprehend other than through the power of the work of Jesus. It comes and does action. It does things. And that those things that are done are generous beyond belief. In this season, as we're looking at what it is to worship more fully, to spend less on me, to give more, the loving all part is participating in the love that God is pouring out on the world. And when we adopted, as it were, Collective Chicago, it's almost like they adopted us. You know, the Holy Spirit led us to them. And together, we're experiencing a mutuality in the kingdom that was meant to be. My friend, no matter where you are on the scale of excitedness about Christmas, just remember this season is about all of us. It's about including all of us, the rich, the poor, those in the church, those outside the church, those with wealth, those with nothing, the downtrodden and brokenhearted, and those who are joyous. It includes us all. Let us endeavor to participate in the love of God expressed in action generously, especially as we come together to support Collective Chicago. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the power of your word, and I thank you for the opportunity to express it, God, as you've given it to us, to each other, in a way that we're encouraged and uplifted. We are challenged today, God, to see your heart for what it is, a heart that takes action and is generous in the world. God, may every single one of us listening and participating in worship also participate in your generosity. May we bind together and support not only Collective Chicago, but all those who have needs. And may we see all those interactions as more than transactional, as a roundabout where we're circling King Jesus. And as we're sent back out again with your great good news. So God, I pray your blessing upon every person listening and watching. I pray that this Christmas season be a total blessing for everyone in our church family and beyond. 
And we ask, God, that you activate us in the kingdom. Use us to do great things, the great things that you have already done. In Jesus' name we pray and together we say, amen and amen. Merry Christmas and God bless you.